Welcome to The Antagonist, everybody. I'm Andrew. I'm Orion. And this is the start of Monster Month. We are yes. leading up to the release of Godzilla vs. Kong with a month dedicated to monster movies outside of maybe the Snyder Cut, which will be releasing this month. It is a monstrosity, so I think that counts. <laughs> And we, we we talked about this for so long. I suggested a monster month themed because of Godzilla. Yeah. And then Drew brought up the fact that, uh, you know, yeah. Snyder Cut's coming out. So we, we bounced back and forth. How can we justify doing this in a monster month? Well, <laughs> excuse me. Well, it's a monstrosity of a movie, so we might as well include it. Exactly. But- also, it's four hours long. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a monstrosity. Yeah, I, I will side note that just for a second. I know we're getting into a different movie, but it's insanely hard to make a two-hour movie that's good and interesting. It's absurdly hard to make a three-hour movie that's good and interesting. It is pretty much freaking impossible to make an interesting four-hour movie, especially when it's Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's a different episode altogether that I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time on. Oh, yeah. We'll be talking a lot about that in, in what, like two weeks or something that it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this week, we are talking about everybody's favorite penis-shaped aliens (laughs) in Alien, the 1979 original that kind of started off the whole thing. And Ryan... I, I guess I just your initial impressions. What do you think of the classic Alien movie? So I really, really enjoy the Alien movies. Like I've ever since I was little. Like the Alien was the so you know how every childhood has like an escape plan for if something happens. Yes. My escape plan was if an alien attacked me while I was in the shower. <laughs> I've always I've loved those movies. They scarred me a little bit when I was little, but that's fine. Um, but so technically, and even the story, like yeah. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like you, I never would have guessed that this movie was made in 1979 if I was you know just seeing it for the first time. It looks great. Yeah the the only exception is like how the computers look, but. That also could have been like a style choice uh, versus, you know, limitations. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, the thing about this movie, though, is because I'm such a big Alien fan, I find it kind of boring. Like, honestly. Really? Yeah. Because, well, it takes it, – it's a two-hour – just under two-hour movie. Yeah. It takes over half of that just to get introduced to the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't even get to see much of the alien. And then me being a little bit of the alien nerd that I am, it's like these things hunt in packs. They're they're, they're like a hive or something like that. Like they all have the same mindset or whatever. And only seeing one maybe six times in the movie, I I just – I don't know. Like it's such a beautiful movie, but it's to me it's so boring. Fair enough. It's it's definitely it slow burns for a long yeah. time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. I think it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, Sojourney Weaver does a great job as Ripley. She's great. Uh, like you said, for a 1979 film, it looks fantastic. The, the practical effects are nuts. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. Absolutely insane practical effects. And honestly, we need more of them today because there's a lot of CGI today. Well, not even just today. A CGI that came out four or five years ago, whatever, 10 years ago, that looks extremely dated now. And I just, I love practical effects. I think they look great, especially when you can blend practical and CGI. I think that's when you get your best look. But yeah, it looks great. And compared to other horror films, uh, the plot and the decisions they make make a lot of sense, right? This isn't just a bunch of dumb idiot kids making stupid decisions where you're just like, oh my gosh, stop being dumb. Mm -hmm. Like these are grown people making decisions that may not be that bad. You're like, yeah, if I were in that position, maybe I'd do the same thing. I don't know. So good job not making all the characters complete morons. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a good way to sum it up. It, like, it, as much as I find this story boring, mm-hmm. it was it really was written so well. Like, yeah. like, honestly, there's nothing really wrong with the story. I think it all just, for me, comes down to personal taste and opinion. Yeah. Like, like that... And I, that's that's really all that it is. Like that's really the only reason I find it boring. I know a lot of people who are like, "This is such a good movie. So so much, you know, enough action. That's great, but there's enough story to it." Like, so mm-hmm. it, it's still just such a good movie in every aspect. Oh, yeah. I just, I personally find it yeah. boring. So that, well, that but yeah. I'm I'm gonna move away from that now because the yeah. rest of the, this movie is beautiful, and we'll talk yeah. about that. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the slow burn aspects of it a little bit later when it, when we get to that point where it becomes a little more relevant in the plot. But mm-hmm. but you're right, though. Very, very slow. Intentionally, but slow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. So I guess getting into the story, uh, again, I love the set. And I think the cinematography style for this film is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a space horror film. And so the cinematography at first is like very minimalistic. It's almost like empty at times. Like it's just kind of wandering. And it's just a very good pick for a space, like a very good style for a space horror film, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. As far as the cinematography goes, too, they they really like their low angles in this movie, if you noticed. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of that, because, like, I can kind of just, or not justify, but, like, <laughs> in the beginning, when the alien first comes about, when it's still tiny... I think they kind of do that to show, you know, like they move away from it a little bit when the alien starts to grow. But like at the beginning parts of the movie, um, especially when the alien inter- is introduced, it kind of gives the view of that small little thing looking up at all these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Uh, I also like, <clears throat> excuse me. I also like how in the first portion of the film, when everybody wakes up unexpectedly, they do like, they just do a really good job with almost like this passive, aggressive annoyance with each other. Like all the characters, like obviously nobody's super jazzed to be up early to investigate like an unknown signal, but they can't just rage at each other because they have to coexist. So they're kind of just grudgingly getting along in these early parts. And I like that. I don't like it when everybody's so wearing their emotions on their sleeves in films. Like, this is kind of a good layered way of them expressing annoyance. 
Yeah, well, th- when I think about the characters, I think in terms of, like, this is kind of how that field would work. You know, yeah. they're they're basically delivery, construction, um, drilling. Like, they're pretty much every job that you can think of that involves manual labor. And a lot of times people that work in those industries, that's how they act. Like, I've yeah. worked in a couple industries like that, and it's similar. My personality didn't do that, but, like, a lot of my coworkers were like that. And so I think that's fairly common yeah. for that kind of, like, field, you know, the uh, manual labor stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's super blue collar. This mm-hmm. entire film is really, I mean, it's like the ship isn't sleek. It's got these big bulky buttons and these interfaces that are, like, advanced but feel old at the same time. And these people aren't super nerds who understand the ship and wrote the AI and whatever. Like, they're just collecting a paycheck so they can live. Yep. And, like, it's it makes them really relatable. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the one exception to that would be Sigourney Weaver's character, I think. And mm-hmm. th- But there's purpose behind that, so. Yeah. Although I will say the captain, Dallas, is so distractingly Michael Keaton- that I feel like it's a Michael Keaton deep fake. <laughs> like he's he... <laughs> Well, now I can't unsee that. I, well, the actor uh Tom Skerritt, he looks nothing like Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he looks so much like Michael Keaton in this movie, <laughs> but he does. It's like it's got to be the beard or something cuz my gosh he looks just like him in this movie i was like michael keaton no not michael keaton that's not michael keaton it like took me a couple of seconds but (laughs) dude he's just it's great (laughs) are you looking looking at yeah i'm trying to look at him right now because it's like i mean i i kind of see it but unless i see these side to the side comparisons i i don't know that uh (laughs) i'm gonna be able to place it So let's see. Alien, Michael Keaton. Let's see if you're crazy or not. Yeah. I think it's the beard. Tom Skerritt has a thinner face, but when he gets the full beard and it fills his face out a little more, he looks like Michael Keaton. You know, I actually can kind of see it. Yep. Maybe not quite to the extent that you're seeing it, but I do kind (laughs) of see it. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But anyways... Different actor, different movies. We'll move on. Uh, I I do want to kind of talk a little bit about kind of what you mentioned earlier, the slower storytelling style mm-hmm. here, especially in the first act. Because the first like 35 minutes, they hardly say anything. And a lot of it's just kind of them moving around, finding the signal. But it's kind of like this question and answer very suspenseful storytelling, right? There's really not any significant dialogue or characters that we can really root for in the first act, but it's still pretty interesting. And it's mainly because the filmmakers asked a couple of big questions. And the first one was, why did we wake up early? And they answered that one pretty quick, like pretty quickly. It's, there's a transmission that we picked up and mother wants us to investigate it. But then it's the bigger question. It's where is it from? What is it about? And that question drives the entire first act. And so, like, we we know what it's about. Like, we, we know where it's coming from. 
And because, you know, we signed up to watch this movie because of the alien. <laughs> like we saw the trailers. Yeah. We know what's going on. But we kind of have to earn the answer with the characters. And so the filmmakers aren't rushing. Right. They're building up the suspense because they understand the audience cares just as much about the buildup to the killing as the killing itself. So they're not really rushing it. And they keep dropping little hints and pieces, right? Like this unlivable environment on the place where they land and this mysterious ship and the alien architecture. And they find out that the signal's actually warning. And so we're just kind of earning the answer along with the characters, which they did a lot more in older movies. Older movies were not as concerned as just like, pounding you with action they they took a lot of time typically i think if this film was made today the first act would take 15 minutes so that we could just move right on to the killing yeah so well no yeah i would crap i had my thought and i lost it (laughs) (laughs) this happens way too often yeah um I also think, you know, you brought up the fact that it's older movies and like, I'm sure that like if I saw this when it first came out in 1979, I would be more impressed. Yeah. Um, But honestly, it probably just does come down to the gap in age, you know, of me versus this movie and how styles Mm -hmm. were a little different because this is supposed to be a horror suspense. and it's not to me mm-hmm. um and there is actually one good reason for that the others are just like kind of did t- time and difference difference yeah. in when the movie was made versus my age but sure um i, I kind of want to segue that to uh th- the reason i don't feel it's suspenseful or that good is just because honestly dude like i think the sound design Mm-hmm. Um, when we're supposed to feel the suspense and the jump scares and things like that, I think it's horrific. Honestly. Really? Yeah, because so my problem with it is I it, it might honestly be my TV. I don't think it is. Um, okay. I think it's just because it's an older movie, but like the jump scares and the music and everything to it. The music to me wasn't stand out enough for me to feel a feeling of suspense okay and then the sound effects for like the jump scares and the crashes and things like that to get our blood pumping it it kind of seems like it was honestly recorded like on an iphone it's very punchy and not clear it doesn't sound Mm -hmm. like it's all that good um so to me that it just that's why it doesn't work so well as a horror or suspense Mm -hmm. despite everything else holding up so well today I, I, part of me imagines that's intentional and I'd have to look it up a little more to be sure, but with how blue collar and how industrial this film is, I think part of that, cause even in the scores, you'll hear like metal clanging and you'll hear kind of like industrial noises mixed in with the score at times. Part of me thinks some of that is intentional, but I could be wrong. Um, but I don't think they wanted a really like, I don't think they wanted a really like ethereal, like stringy type score. I think they wanted something a little more punchy, a little more down to earth, maybe mechanical feeling. But 
I could be wrong. But I yeah, that's, I mean, that's you might be right. I think for me, it's just like, it's not so much the sounds themselves. It's just how they were mixed. Okay. To me, it just, it didn't, to me, it just didn't feel like it was mixed all that professionally. Fair enough. But I, I also want to give a quick disclaimer. I'm audio is not my strong suit. So I may <laughs> just be talking out of my ass and sound like a moron. And I apologize to anybody who does know more than I do. Yeah. So I'm just giving my opinions. That's the point of this podcast. Um, hey, we love I'm opinions. not sorry. Yep. I'm not sorry if I offend anybody, <laughs> but if you are offended, uh, well, good luck with that. Well, you know, I, you know, I do, I, I have a problem of my own. Uh, at one point in this film. I love this film. I, and just so anybody understands, anytime we criticize this film, it doesn't detract from the fact that this film is absolutely fantastic. It is a fantastic film. But <laughs> I do want to kind of make fun a little bit of maybe the most unconvincing slip in film history. When they're on the alien spaceship and he just kind of like crawls down into the pit and they put in a little sound effect to make it found, sound like you fell. And then they're just like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I slipped. <laughs> I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm like, you just, you climbed right down in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, like, this is a moment I wish we had face camps because I just did something really stupid. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine Ridley Scott or James Cameron watched that and went, yup, that is a super convincing slip. We are moving on. <laughs> I think they just, <laughs> and they must have just lost budget for stuntmen at that point or something. And they said, all right, you're going to have to do it yourself. So I was more thinking in terms of he, like he was supposed to fall on all these eggs and everything. I just imagine Ridley Scott going up to him and being like, all right, dude, these eggs are like the most expensive thing on this entire budget of the movie. You have to <laughs> fall on them. But if you break any of them, you're paying for them. <laughs> And that's Probably. when the dude was like, all right, uh, well, it's okay, uh, uh, slowly uh, going, falling, uh, I'm falling. Uh. Kind of looked like rock climbing for a second there. The way kinda... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there were very few moments in this film where I was like, eh, didn't really like that. But that that was <laughs> one of those moments where I was like, was that, did he slip? Oh, okay, he slipped. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, but. Since we're talking about the eggs, uh, the egg shot where the egg opens up and the face hugger just latches on, that shot's legendary. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Legendary, iconic, everybody knows it. Like, Yeah. It's part of pop culture. That shot's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I think I saw one time how they did it. I think what they did was they actually... The thing that latches onto his face is like a guy's hand and a glove. And so they shoot the egg separate. But then when they go up for the scene where it flings itself up onto its face, it cuts it in a way so you can't see the guy behind it with his hand in it. And it's a guy just like reaching his hand out and like grabbing him in the face, which hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. That is cool. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, that's how they did it. Well, that worked better than um, the face hugger jump in the original Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> Do you oh, remember I haven't that? Seen, I haven't seen Alien vs. Predator. Really? No, huh. I haven't seen it. It's not It's not a bad movie, honestly. I enjoy it, but the, okay. the CGI of the face huggers in that movie is... 
bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why you need some good practical effects, though. Yeah, it's one of those, um, like, they modeled it well, so mm. all the details are there, but it's one of those, oh, it it's like, oh, CGI is very obviously CGI. Yeah. So, like, is the it? design looks well, but it's okay. really obviously CGI. Just the physics of how it moves? Or? Yeah, the physics, like the the look, it, it looks like the face hugger from the original Alien. So, okay. like, they didn't use CGI and screwed that up, but it does look a little cartoonish. Mm, okay. Yeah, so it looks like a face hugger, but it's like a cartoon kind of face hugger. Gotcha. Yeah. But, anyways, Alien or face hugger reaches out, grabs face, they come back to the ship, they want on. He says, we need to get him to the infirmary. Ripley becomes the favorite character with just a simple line. She just says, no. She's like, no. You have to, you no. have to quarantine. No. You have to quarantine. They want in, but she can't identify what's infected him. And this is just an awesome scene because both sides are being reasonable, right? He wants to save this guy. He doesn't want somebody to die. So he's like, listen, just let us in. She says, this is not protocol. You're endangering the whole crew if you let them in. Not a chance. I love conflicts where the right and the wrong are both very gray because she seems really cold because she's just like, if he dies, he dies. Means everybody else is safe. So it's just this really cool scene. And plus, she's just a super strong character. Mm -hmm. She's very good. Yeah, she's a, they wrote her character very well. Like, she is a leader. Even if she's yeah. not the captain, she is a leader right from the start. Yeah. And maybe not the super sympathetic leader that everybody thinks. You know, she is callous, mm -hmm. but she gets the job done. So, very, very neat. I also like how many layers there are to the face hugger. Like an onion? Exactly, like an <laughs> onion. So, so what we're saying is a face hugger has as many layers as an ogre. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, actually, I'm not sorry, but let's move on. Well, it's just, it's this cool mechanic where, like, it'll tighten the grip if you try to pry it off. It's feeding him oxygen, and then it has acidic blood. It's all, it's all these things where it's just like, we kind of just have to let it do its thing. Mm -hmm. Because anything we're trying right now is obviously not working. And it's cool because in a lot of horror films, when they present an issue, it's just like, okay, but why don't you do this thing that's very simple? Why aren't you doing this? And the movie's like, we can't. But, okay, but but why? Because that would end the movie. Yeah, but but you could do it right now, and there wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, but that would end the movie. We <laughs> we need another hour at least. It's like why? So it's a very good. It's just a very good way of making it so that we aren't sitting here being like you're so dumb. Just end it right now. This was a movie made in 1979. Yeah. about space miners who are attacked by a by a perfect predator with acidic blood, no eyes, looks like a penis, and it's more realistic than some of the movies that we've watched. 
Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. I know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sad part. <laughs> but see, I think that's the thing that people forget about, though. Like, just because a movie is is unbelievable in its setting doesn't mean it has to be unbelievable in how the characters act in that setting. Because you can have a very out-of-this-world movie, but still have it make sense. <sighs> It's just, it's some of these movies today, man. They're silly. Silly. <laughs> yeah, we've reviewed how many of them now? <laughs> we're, we're getting up there now. But uh, I, I want to talk about the chief health officer, Ash, versus Ripley uh, a little bit. Do you have anything else to say before we get into that? Or do you have anything to say about that? Yes, actually. So we get foreshadowing um about ash's kind of psychotic breakdown right from the beginning yeah because when you can see in the beginning you can see him like kind of twitching a little bit um when they go into the spaceship and he has to watch them if you look closely he's like kind of have a having a conversation with nobody to his left he does this really creepy smile when he sees what's going on and like, like we get a lot of foreshadowing to the fact that he's going to go absolutely ballistic. Yeah. And yet it's still a surprise later. If you've never seen the movie before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you knew he was odd, but to the extent. Crazy. Yeah. But, Dude, I remember watching this for the first time. I was like, is that a robot? Yeah. Huh. It, it, That's it is weird. Nuts. Yeah. It's a crazy twist later on, but... Uh, I do like how they set up the dynamic between him and Ripley because technically she was in charge when she said she wouldn't let the exploration crew in because she was the highest ranking officer on board and he directly disobeyed her. And in some ways, this is a nod toward inequality and genders treating each other differently. And it's not really in your face, right? But there's definitely this undercurrent of Ash being like, stupid woman, let me do my work and try to boss someone else around. And she ends up being right. I mean, she's right. But it's just an interesting thing where Ripley is written very well. It's this fantastic little undertone of sexism. And it's not only from Ash, but it's from Dallas and from some of the others, too, who treat Ripley like, well, who... Don't treat her like you should treat the second in command on a ship Mm -hmm. like this. And this is a very good way of just writing an undertone of sexism throughout a movie. No, I think that comes back to the blue collar you were talking about, too. Because this this little part is more like a stereotype, but, you know, there's usually a reason there's a stereotype. And it's that, you know, blue collar, country, whatever you want to call um, that like work area, they tend not to treat women as well as like some other people. So, yeah, yeah you are correct. I, I took my sip of water at the wrong time and just created like a five seconds of silence, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely a, I mean, women in blue collar work do tend to have it a little harder. Mm -hmm. 
It's just, it's a thing. It is. But, uh, and I do want to talk about Dallas for a second. And I'm going to go full Robert California on Dallas because Dallas is an ineffectual, privileged, effect, soft penis debutante. I mean, notice. Wow. No. <laughs> like, he just. Ripley is somewhat cold, but she's the strongest and the most reasonable. She's callous, but she makes sense. Dallas is he's just kind of arrogant. And like some of these characters are immature and they just they show us all of their characteristics through high pressure decision making, right? Because all of these decisions that they have to make once the alien is on board go against standard procedure. Because this is anything but standard. I mean, they're not prepared for an alien invasion on the, on the ship. Maybe they should have been. Maybe they should have been. <laughs> Dallas, he sucks. He's a, he's a, he's a terrible leader. <laughs> he's just not well, good. Yeah. I mean, when they find the ship and they have to go back into space, he's Ripley's like, all right, this is wrong with the ship. This is wrong with the ship. This is wrong with the ship. He's like, I don't yep. care. Take off. It's like, you are a terrible captain. Yeah. What captain is like, okay, our ship's broken. Let's go into space anyways. Which is funny because he just said, well, Ash is my chief, you know, medical officer and I'm going to let him do his work and and I'm not going to override him type deal. And then Ripley says, we can't take off yet. We've still got, and he says, shut up, woman. <laughs> Let's take off. It's like, just got another one of those little undertones of sexism and and he's he's a terrible captain just a terrible captain so so dallas great character but you suck as a person piss off <laughs> dallas yeah piss off <laughs> but anyways let's let's talk about the scene from this film and the supposed <laughs> rumor behind it <laughs> Burst out the chest. Right, I love this. This is awesome. Well, you do you know that um I don't know if this is confirmed at all, but supposedly nobody except for the guy who had the chest burster knew what was gonna happen. I've heard about that. So it was supposedly a combination of amazing acting and real like reactions. Yeah. I don't know that it's ever been confirmed, but I would be so happy and impressed if that was re- like that was true. I I believe it honestly. I would I'd believe that because you see the initial like burst of blood where it's just like everybody just stops for a second. Like everybody just like gets so sh- like shook up for a second, and then they're like, "Oh, we have to get back on." Like they just kind of like recollect and get back on them. And it's like this really cool, like they all looked absolutely horrified. <laughs> Actually, now that you say that, um, I'm just going to bring this up now. But I yeah. think the girl, um, like the short hair girl, yeah. terrible, terrible actress. So the fact that I believe her performance <laughs> in that scene, you yeah. might be right. Yeah. She's not, yeah, she's not the star of the show. By oh, God. Oh, God. Like, yeah. What are you in a cheap porn video? 
<laughs> That's true, though. She did do a good job in that scene, so it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah. Maybe it was true. But I, I also love how they set this whole scene up, though, right? Like, there's kind of, like, this false victory. Hold on. What? What are you laughing I'd, about? I'd, I'd like to compare her Oh God scene to what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the same level. Oh, of yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> oh, that is great. Poor Brad Pitt, man. He's done so well for himself, but that scene specifically just was not. It's not his thing. No, I got the same feeling when I heard like her. Yeah. Exasperated. Oh no, kind of yeah. attitude. I, like that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, oh. Yeah. It seems although, pretty similar. Although while we're on the topic of Brad Pitt in that movie, I do kind of feel bad because once we got done with recording Seven, I was it two weeks ago, I realized mm-hmm. we never mentioned how good Morgan Freeman was in that movie. He was fantastic. Really? Yeah, we never mentioned how good he did in that movie. He was fantastic. Well, better late than never. <laughs> I know, right? I feel bad about it. I, I, but, but anyways, that's a side <laughs> side note thing. He was great. Uh, but back to back to this movie, yeah, she she didn't uh, she didn't kill that role by any means. But with how they set up the the chest burster scene, burst out, it's kind of like this false victory, and they're okay, and they're having like this very human meal together. They're enjoying each other's company. Things are kind of back to normal for a second, and all of a sudden it's just like bang, and like it breaks out all bloody and fleshy. And it makes this little like noise, and it's like got like metal teeth, right? It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so cool. And it's also that an awesome midpoint because that's the midpoint of the film. Mm-hmm. I, that is, <clears throat> I I mean, it's such a huge power swing because we know immediately we're like, oh, Ripley was right, and you're all screwed. Yep. I, I mean, come on, that's awesome. That's so I'm, a ter- I'm terrible. You're terrible? All I can think about when I saw that scene was from Spaceballs where it comes out of his chest. The guy goes, not again. And we he dances down the table. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragdog. Ragdog gal. Yes, dude. <laughs> Fun fact about that, actually. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the guy in um, Spaceballs who the chest bursts out, same actor. Mm. Yeah. So that's why he said not again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rest uh, of them obviously kind of look like the rest of the cast, but no, that that was the same guy. So he literally had a happy when he said that it didn't mean like um it was it wasn't like a joke in the movie. Or well, it was a joke, but it wasn't just yeah. like a joke for the movie. It was literally, I had to go through this again. Come on. Very, like very, very this literally this yeah, that's literally the second time he had to deal with that. Ah, that's cool. I didn't Isn't realize it? that. Yeah. That's so neat, dude. <laughs> that is also possible. there. There was a good reason for me bringing that up. Like I, I still feel like a terrible person for making that comparison, but I, I had to bring up that point because that is a cool little tidbit um, to connect yeah. those things. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is neat. But cool. I'm I'm happy. I know that now. Yeah. But yeah. But okay. So. Anyways, alien bursts out. He's getting big very quickly punching people in the body with his back jaws. 
which are freaking awesome. I mean, those things are so that the retractable jaws are just like <laughs> like if you see those things coming out, you know you're screwed, mm-hmm. which is super cool. But I'm gonna be honest. This film, it's not super scary to, by today's standards. I I did jump when the alien got Dallas. When the alien got Dallas in the vent system, it actually I I did kind of jump a little bit, hmm. and I think it was just the off timing, because horror films typically build up so much to each scare, and this movie does it too. It's building up to your scares. And it's building up and it's building up to the point where you're just like, okay, now I'm waiting for the jump, right? And that scene, it came earlier than expected. Like, it felt like it was in the middle of the build. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, and I was like, ooh. And I was like, good job. You're kind of like mixing up your pacing of your jump scares, which is great. Because there's some films nowadays, every time they have a jump scare, it's like, And it's just like you're waiting and it's like, okay, I, all right, I get it. Jump to Boom. Okay, there it is. Now we can move on. I think this is where the slower pace kind of actually benefits the movie too because yeah. with that slower pace, you're not really like it, – it's slow through the whole thing. So it's like we don't get the typical buildup you would in a horror movie today. So mm-hmm. for with that slower pace, it's like, all right, when's the alien coming? Like we yeah. know he's close. He's on the radar. Oh, he's coming. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Where'd he go? Oh, he's back again. Like this. Yep. That's where the slower pace actually does help the movie. And I think that uh, now that I'm saying this out loud, that's probably why um, it or another reason why they decided to make it a little bit slower of a pace to help with that because they didn't want to do the traditional do ah, kind of thing. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think for sure when the slower pace earlier in the film, when things get frantic and hectic, it's a little more effective. But good point. And then, uh, and then Ash is uh, not only a traitor, but a robot. Cool twist. Very cool twist. You don't see it coming the first time around at mm. all. Uh, actually, that was almost <clears throat> dropped from the script. Uh, originally some of the some of the writers thought that it was a unnecessary b plot that they should get rid of i remember seeing that somewhere yeah i think it's a good i think it's a good b plot i like it i think it adds a little bit more to the story honestly because like if they didn't have that in the the effect of the company saying other crews like expendable like nothing else matters except for the specimen i don't think it would have been as powerful if we didn't have um ash go crazy and um, cause all of it well and plus then you have to get you have to be able to believe at that point that a human is willing to sacrifice their own life for bringing a species of alien home that they know is highly deadly and it's like, uh, no, <laughs> just, just, just no way. Like there's, no, there's not, yeah. there's not going to be a person who's just like <laughs> die so I can bring home an aggressive alien species. Yes, please sign me up. So many benefits to that adventure. Like, no, no, it was like a very primal instinct of, Hey, don't die. <laughs> like that's our first instinct. 
No, as, yeah. Well, if you look at the, you're absolutely right. If you look at the second <laughs> movie, they switch the motivation to greed, which is believable. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. one, a robot being programmed, that's believable. The third yeah. one, uh, I don't think they had that. In the third one, but the fourth one, they actually switched it, or they tried to make it so the human wanted that versus a robot being programmed to, and it it didn't work very well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta believe the motivations behind every character, mm-hmm. and believing that somebody is not only willing to die but kind of excited, so that they can bring home an alien species. A little hard to believe. Yeah, especially considering in the fourth one, the guy like wants to make love to it. Oh, I haven't seen the fourth one. Uh, it's not worth it's better than the third one but it's still not really worth the time i don't i don't i don't recommend watching the third or fourth one i don't want to get that image and i'm done with that but here let me let me describe it to you more they capture the alien they have him all safe and everything the guy goes up to the window he's like he just starts licking the window where the alien is and then the alien's (laughs) tongue comes out and he goes Mm. Oh. <laughs> and then he does it again he's like oh boom punish you oh so it's a little kinky. bit of a kinky scene <laughs> wow. wow we are very similar sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but uh kinky aliens aside ryan uh so Am I correct? I believe in this movie they said they wanted to bring the alien back for weaponization, correct? That was an aspect of this film? I I don't remember. I know it's for sure like an aspect in the second one. I, I don't okay. remember if that was I don't remember <laughs> if they explicitly said to be weaponized yeah. in this one. I, I don't remember and I don't but I don't think they did. I don't think okay. that became a bigger plot point until the second one. Okay. I I'm pretty I don't know. I'd have to check again then because I'm almost sure that Ash said it at one point. I could be wrong. But I do find that would be if they did, I'll talk about it for a second just in case they did. Um but I, I do find that a bit odd as a motivation. Because you're essentially creating a race of enslaved, intelligent, sentient beings mm-hmm. at that point. Like, I get that they would, how did Ash say it? That they are free of the burden of morality, which, sure. Like that yeah, they're is, pure. They're pure, they're free of the burden of reality, or uh, morality, not reality. And that makes sense. But, like, they have a spaceship. So, obviously. They're intelligent because they made a spaceship and they have a system of doing things. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's Well, according odd... to the prequels, that it wasn't actually real, that the aliens were created by somebody. Oh, true. Yeah, I don't like how they explain stuff later on, but... Mm-mm, yeah, well, that's conversation for another time. Yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, maybe this would happen. You know, like I, I feel like if we did discover intelligent life somewhere else in the universe, it, it probably would end up enslaved or oppressed in some way. <laughs> That's kind of the nature of humanity at this point, I guess. But I mean, yeah, I know it's a big. Uh, oh, but yep. like, if if that 
if we found an alien and that thing didn't speak our language and show some kind of humanity in the same way we understand it, they would totally end up being used in some way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of other things I hate, I hate cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me too, but why I, do you hate it this time? Jones. He's the villain of this film. I mean, I, the alien, listen, the alien is just missing morality, okay? It's just a, a flaw in its brain. Jones knows he's a dick. <laughs> it's like, screw you, Jones. <laughs> he's isn't, <laughs> see, isn't that every cat ever? <laughs> listen, he knew what he was doing. He probably teamed up with the alien. All right, the alien left him alive later, in, in case you didn't notice. Right? He's probably his subordinate at this point. The alien was probably like, hey, help me kill these people. I'm going to let you live. Like, 100%. Jones and Alien are in cahoots. They know what they're doing. Jones is the worst. <laughs> I was kind of hoping when she, like, vacuumed out, the, the like, in the climax, when she, like, propels him into space. I was half hoping to see a cat fly out of that thing. I'm glad you brought that up because if there's 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 one specific shot that might confirm your theory. Do you remember when the one guy was killed down below deck with all the equipment and yeah. the cat is just a close up of the cat's eyes and he just stared at him like Yeah. The cat's just like die. Loser. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> I hate Jones. But yeah, I, I got so excited when Jones got left for the alien to, like, get eaten. And then I was really upset when I found out the alien didn't eat Jones. Just was not excited for that, but. Well, Ripley even, I think Ripley calls him a shithead in the second movie. <laughs> See, in the second movie, too? Yeah, just the beginning when uh, she's <sighs> rescued. Dang it. Yeah, she doesn't actually, the cat doesn't come Good. The cat's not it has absolutely no relevance to the actual story of the second one, but he is in there because you know he got frozen with Ripley. So good, screw you, Jones. <clears throat> Can't wait for that cat to get hit by a car somewhere. Anyways, ah. <laughs> uh, I do find it so we're we're kind of getting to the point where <clears throat> we are on the escape pod, Ripley leaving, going home, or at least trying to go home. But anything else you wanted to say before we got to the escape pod scene? I don't think so, no. No, no other notes? I don't, so, I don't believe so. I mean... Okay. It's fine if you don't. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so, um, so I'll take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> the only other note I have, which I, I just want to bring this up because they did, we talk about set design a lot. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the skin of the alien when it sheds to get bigger. Yeah. Like that got under my skin because it's yeah. like, it's just gross and nasty. And I'm like, ooh, don't touch it. Yeah. That's like finding a used condom on the ground. Why would you touch that? <laughs> Although I will say, I'm not sure... That tiny skin, so how tiny he was to how big he became, I would assume there would be more stages of shedding 
going in. Like, you probably should have found several skins at progressively larger. That's very technical. I don't think anybody cares about that at all. No, but, and that's an easy. That, there's an easy argument there. It sh- it sure. got down below deck. It shed for the first time, and then it went to hide somewhere. So there is other skins, but we obviously don't know where they are, and yep. it's obviously not important, so we don't need to know where they are. So exactly, and, yeah, that's one of those easy arguments. That's just like yeah. whatever. Yep, yeah. But I do want to say, even though the alien is missing morality, he is a very considerate alien. Because when they were on the escape pod, he waited until after the lead female was half undressed before revealing himself. What a considerate alien toward the audience. I mean, very, very Towards the audience? <laughs> very, very considerate alien uh, when the company doing the film wants sex appeal. I mean, very considerate. <laughs> I think you might get some hate comments for that one, Drew. Oh, I'm being very sarcastic. I, I actually think that was a bizarre decision when you have such a strong female lead throughout the well, whole thing. And it's just like, panty shots. <laughs> I'm like, why? I can justify it's, this. Yeah. Please when do, because I was a little confused. When they go, and this is a constant theme throughout the entire series, when they go into the pots, that's all they can wear. Yeah. And I'm sure somewhere in this universe, there's justification of if you wear clothes in the pod, then your clothes will get ruined or sure. the the panties and everything they have to wear are of a special material that doesn't cause issues for your skin and all this. Like there's so yeah. many ways that you could justify this. That being said, you're probably right. And they just wanted some kind of sex appeal. I, I agree because earlier in the, uh, the film, they were all wearing basically nothing coming out of the pods. But it would have been so simple to just have her keep on her pants when she goes over there to check whatever she was checking. Well, I think it's also a sense of um, vulnerability. Yeah, it could be it too. Like she, she's okay. She thinks the alien's fine. So she feels okay to be vulnerable again, even though mm-hmm. it just involves getting into the pod. So yeah. like we get this sense of, oh, okay, everything's wrapping up. She's undressing. She's about to go in the pod. <laughs> We're all good. So yeah. But there's also a difference in how they shoot her once she's not wearing pants though too. There is a difference there in how they shoot her. They make a very pronounced point to focus in yeah <clears throat> yeah i don't know uh i thought it was a little bizarre I, i'm not sure exactly why maybe i'm spitting something that isn't there but uh, i don't know i mean this is one of those things that we could try and justify and figure out for for freaking sure. ever but without any kind of like proof or interviews or whatever about that scene which yeah make no sense if there was one but i don't know yeah. Uh, also, so obviously the climax of the film uh, depressurizes the pod and, and, and shoots Alien out into space and then freaking fries him with the thrusters and stuff. Uh, cool scene. Very cool. <laughs> Although, can you – maybe you understand this better than I do. Can you understand or explain to me why the alien is just chilling at this point? Because like earlier in the film, he's had a murder boner the whole time. Like all he's shown is <laughs> – just <laughs> yeah all he's shown is just this like kill 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 and then all of a sudden he's just like is he asleep is he like 
Is he just arrogant? He's like, yeah, I won. What are you going to do to me? I'll eat you when I want to. Like, what? I don't know. I'm a little, I'm trying to understand why he was just uh, chilling there at the end. Two things. First, okay. <clears throat> would make for an interesting movie if he just attacked her when she's the main character. Sure. Stupid reason, but here we are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, like, he's an apex predator. Like, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So, like you said, he's probably just not in any hurry. I mean, like, he's, like, thinking to himself, oh, I am I just killed all these people. I'm Nobody can beat me, so I might as well just take my time. Yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe that's the attitude the alien had. I, I don't know. Very arrogant alien. <laughs> well, when you got a <clears throat> penis head as big as his. That's true. What a pecker head. <laughs> when you got a big package, the uh, yeah. attitude t- tends to follow. One second, I got a cough really bad, and I'm going to mute my mic for a second. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to subject everybody to that but yeah and so anyways she launches him into space bye bye alien fried with thrusters end of movie jones is still alive which sucks but end of movie <laughs> uh ryan do you have anything else to say about alien before we wrap and get into the themes um not without making a comparison. Yeah, no, I don't. I was going to... I just... I like the ending shootout scene of the yeah. second one better, but... Oh, uh, okay. That's probably not really that... If we ever review okay. Aliens and, and keep Alien and then Aliens with an S. Yes. That's yes. how... Yeah, but if we ever do, I'll talk about <laughs> that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <clears throat> well... We're going to talk about the themes. Oh, you already brought up one. Sexism? Yep. Yep, that is one. I talked about a little bit. I don't think I need to talk about it. I think we kind of addressed that one a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't think we need to go back to that one. Okay. Uh, Another one. So there's two more that I want to talk about. Okay. First one, it's pretty easy to pick up on if you watch it. Uh, Corporate greed is a big Mm. one. That's a theme throughout the entire series, actually. Yeah. Keep it running. And they want to bring the alien back by any means necessary, even if that means the death of the crew. If it wasn't for corporate greed, none of this would have happened. Right? And Ash is kind of the... What? I apologize. Mike decided to make a loud noise, and I think you now have that in the recording. (laughs) Oh, I, I don't think so. I think it's fine. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, Ash, the good old robot Ash, is of course kind of the representation of this malicious corporate greed. But uh, it's it's you know it's a big B plot mm-hmm. theme, very big. And it'd be ironic oh. if Disney made this movie and made a. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> made a, if Disney made, made Aliens <laughs> or remade it? <clears throat> If they made a, a plot about corporate greed. They literally just made a movie about a squirrel that has Superman powers. I don't want to see Disney try to recreate this, even though they're the epitome of corporate greed. 
Yeah, while Mickey Mouse is sitting on his throne of <laughs> of money while he continually makes decisions that like he just they just don't care no. Disney at all. <laughs> what was the uh wasn't there there was a thing with Mulan actually. This is a total side note. We'll get back to themes in a second. Uh they shot a lot of Mulan in a province in China, which has like the highest concentration camp, uh, like the highest concentration camp, uh, what's the word percentage or highest concentration camp amount, I guess in the world. So good old Disney just does not care. I've got it. Yeah, we actually talked about actually. that when we reviewed Mulan. Uh, I think we talked about it separately oh, really? from oh. Mulan. Huh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but Shen. Xinyang is the province. Aren't X's like what? sh sound? Xinyang? Oh, Shen, Xinyang. Uh, yeah, it's the province with the highest concentration camp density in the world. And Disney decided to give them a little shout out in the credits. Like, hey, thanks for letting us use your beautiful country <laughs> to record Mulan in. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely worst. talked about this. You might be right. We weren't recording, but we definitely talked about this. We did talk about this. Yes. But anyways, uh, corporate greed, obviously a very, mm -hmm. very relevant theme. <laughs> oh, I'm a new superpower. But 20th century. Give me all the money. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. But uh, Alien was made by 20th Century Fox, mm -hmm. so it's, Ooh, it's fine. Dude, when I started this movie, the 20th Century Fox logo intro, I was like, huh, this is like old school. The quality of it. Yeah. Yeah, total I know, right? I apologize, but you know. Uh, it is kind of fun to watch an old movie and see mm -hmm. the old intros. It is, yeah. it is a bit of a nostalgia throwback. But I want to talk about the big theme now, which is sexual harassment uh, or rape or even just sexual creation, the creation of life by sexual means. Uh, there's a lot in this film pointing to that type of idea. Um, and, and one thing you'll notice is that Ripley as the lead has zero romantic interest in anybody that's intentional. If they made this film today, she'd probably be falling in love with Dallas, uh, which I'm glad they yeah. didn't do. Uh, yeah, I mean, this film is like intentionally trying to paint out that idea that all females care about is finding a nice man, settling down yeah. and having I mean, his babies. No, yeah, dude, like, like, even in the second one. She has a love interest, but they're yeah. both strong. Yeah. They're both warriors. They're both like, it's not a typical, yeah. oh, I love you because you saved me kind of. It was, yeah, we're both badasses. So who, this is, this is going to be some good sex. <laughs> exactly. But uh, you'll notice the astronauts go on the alien spaceship, which looks suspiciously like a huge fallopian tube where these little sperm-looking astronauts stumble upon a bunch of eggs waiting to be fertilized, right? That's very... Uh, well, I mean, yep, I know, yeah, now you problem. can't unsee it, right? Now, 
Now you know exactly what and I'm talking about. In case any of y'all are wondering, I just had to flip and off Drew because now I'm never going to be able to unsee that. <laughs> well, and what does this egg do? It forces itself in the man to create life. He obviously did not agree to this, but this thing shoots into him and forcibly creates life. So a little... uh rape subculture thing there i don't like um, how you describe that <laughs> i know right <laughs> it really it's very is. unsettling and, i mean rape isn't much better that's probably why how drew described it made me feel so uncomfortable well exactly yeah. it's a very uncomfortable topic which is probably part of the reason part of the reason this film is probably unsettling um but also the face hugger so it plants life in the man and then when it bursts out of his chest, it's super penis shaped, right? Like this, this thing is very penis shaped and it's kind of an allegory towards the hardships of childbirth, uh, but also kind of detrimental. Like it also kind of talks about how detrimental rape can be, right? The forcing of sexual conduct onto someone. And so there's also that, um, I mean, those are just some of the very, very big sexual themes. Um, But you'll also notice some smaller ones too, right? Um, When Ash assaults assaults Ripley, you'll notice how he rolls up the magazine, very phallic shaped. And instead of what he could have done, he could have just like beat her to death. But instead... He takes his magazine, rolls it up, and shoves it in her mouth. Now that you bring that up, I didn't believe Um, that scene at all. Like, it didn't even go in her mouth. So how is this, how is it choking her, stopping her from breathing? It's a magazine. It's just another little rape thing that they wanted to include in there. This idea of him forcing himself into, yeah, I mean, you get the idea. But uh, you'll also notice how the Nostromo is controlled by an AI called Mother, right? And how at the end of the film, the Nostromo is uh, destroyed for Ripley to escape and have life, which is kind of uh, a mirror toward what the alien does earlier when it destroys its host to escape and have life. I think to that end, you could also compare it to, since this is already like a little bit of theme of birth like the mother ends up dying so the child can have life like that happens really often and i you could could draw comparisons to the ship being destroyed for that yep yep but uh yeah there's uh, you you are right i mean that's it's very it happens and uh there's a lot of uh large nods a lot of small nods towards uh sex sex stuff and and rape and these types of things uh, which is again part of the reason this film is probably uncomfortable i mean there's a lot of times in this film where you're like hmm that looks odd you'll notice how like when the alien bursts out of his chest it's covered in all this like blood and weird like gooey stuff yeah like like a child would be when they're born. Yeah. Very, very, very sexual. This makes me never want to see birth. Very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. 
lot of people talk about like the wonders of childbirth. Yeah. Like, no, um, I, I if you ask any woman who has given birth, she will straight up tell you it's not a wonder. It's not. No. The aftermath is the wonder. During is not. Yeah. No, no, not at all. My mother likes to remind me how much she suffered while giving <laughs> but, birth to me. I'm like, I understand, mother. You don't need to keep reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all that to be said, uh, rape and l- creating life through sex, uh, big theme in Alien. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not a topic a lot of people want to hear about, but no. It but is I there. mean, when movies take risks by basing things like off that topic, it, it's it is a risk, like because a lot of people don't want oh, yeah. or even want to think about that kind of stuff, which which is a yeah a whole other problem but that's beside not something we're going to talk about here but yeah it, so when a movie does something like no. that or takes on that kind of theme it, it is it's a huge risk and it paid off for this one um part of it might be because yeah. it was a little more subtle but yeah it definitely yep. like you said adds to the uncomfortableness of it which it doesn't matter if it's the movie yeah. and the theme. It doesn't matter if people just talk about it. Like that is a very uncomfortable topic. So for a movie, this movie to kind of use that to its advantage is smart and kind of disgusting at the same time. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a narrative on, uh, I mean, it's disgusting, but I don't think it's disgusting in like a immoral way. Like I think they're using it with, the right intentions like I, I mean you know what i'm saying like i think it's a narrative on the yeah it doesn't sugarcoat it it gives it. you as it is and it makes it seem like no. or not seem like but it shows that it's a bad thing it's not like glorifying yes. or anything, which is good yes. so and, and that's also a reason no. why it works so yeah. well because it actually does kind of bring some truth to it yeah but no, this this movie it does a very good job with not like smashing you in the face with its themes, which is great. I think a lot of movies today could use that a lot. Stop smashing people in the face with themes. This is good because it's subtle and it makes you think and you draw conclusions from it and you're like, "Oh." And it's like it's very effective. Because it makes you figure it out. When you figure stuff out for yourself, it's very effective because you've learned. Today, when they just smash you in the face with names, they're like, this is bad. And you're like, uh, okay, but it's bad. Okay, I, I agree. Bad. Fine. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I appreciate good layered <clears throat> Like good layered mm-hmm. subtle themes like that. Yeah. Well, the right. problem with t- like you said, they either like, smash you in the face or the theme is too weak to mm-hmm. make anything of it. There's yeah. If a, yeah. if a theme is bad, there's really, it's usually one of those two problems. Yep. But anyways, Ryan, I I, I that's all I gotta say. Do you need I to don't add think anything I'm else? Have a spicy hot intro for you after this conversation. Well, I'd hope not because we already did the yeah. intro. We need an outro. 
<laughs> know what I mean, not what I say. But <laughs> well, then maybe a, a spicy tame outro what? this week. Yeah, some something something uh, subtle, perhaps to go with the theme of subtlety. I'm subtly yeah. telling you to get away, from, get away, go away, stop listening. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, one thing I do want to say before we do the outro. You mean the intro? Uh, so, obviously. <laughs> no, 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 the outro. <laughs> Why? Stop you do it to me. But. <laughs> that's true. But. Uh, so, in the past, I've said, you know, we have social media platform. We have Twitter, right? At antagonist underscore pod for you guys to go and interact with us at. And now we have an Instagram at antagonist underscore pod. So we'll be starting to post more stuff to Instagram. Uh, if Instagram lets me change my username, that would be great because it didn't let me put a name on the profile at first. And I was like, that's fine. I'll just put the name on it. And then when I tried to put the name on it, it was like, uh, error, uh, error. And then I was like, fine, I'm just going to exit out and restart and try to do it again. And then it was like, yeah, sorry, you've already changed your username. So oh. you're going to have to wait two weeks. To change your username. I was like, you jerks. I'm getting cucked by Instagram. Like <laughs> these losers. But but um but yeah, so anyways though, we do have social media. You guys can come on and interact with us on and hopefully be posting more stuff Which, soon. So, so I wanna yeah. give a little like exciting. uh tease, I guess, into like what so Drew handles all the social media, this kind of thing and that is the right decision because he can make a joke just about it, about just about anything. <laughs> and so he recently posted, I, I sent him the fact that the Snyder Cut is going to be four hours long. We talked about it earlier. He tweets Ugh. and goes also confirmed Ugh. that if you took out all the slow motion, it would only be two hours and 13 minutes. Which like... <laughs> It's a joke, but it's true. It, <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably and it'd probably be pretty close. <laughs> but yeah, so we do have social medias. If you guys want to go follow us there, and if you want to leave a review on the podcast and leave a nice, or even word if you want to blast us, at, go for it. Wherever you're listening, sure, that's fine too. <laughs> but Ryan. Go ahead and, and well, thanks us here, for Miguel. joining us, everybody. Uh, we are excited to actually do this monster theme movie month. Um, we are not looking forward to the Zack Snyder cut, yeah. that monstrosity, but monsters, no, <laughs> yeah. So, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will see you next week with another monster movie yeah. on the way. Bye-bye. Bye bye.